Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. My name is Pam and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I'd like to welcome everyone to the Primo Water Corporation's fourth quarter and fiscal year 2021 earnings conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. Thank you. I would now like to turn the conference over to Mr. John Cottle, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Welcome to Primo Water Corporation's fourth quarter 2021 earnings conference call. All participants are currently in listen-only mode. This call will end no later than 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. The call is being webcast live on Primo's website at www.primowatercorp.com and will be available for playback there for two weeks. This conference call contains forward-looking statements, including statements concerning the company's future financial and operational performance. These statements should be considered in connection with cautionary statements and disclaimers contained in the safe harbor statements in this morning's press release and the company's annual report on Form 10-K and quarterly reports on Form 10-Q and other filings with securities regulators. The company's actual performance could differ materially from these statements, and the company undertakes no duty to update these forward-looking statements, except as expressly required by applicable law. A reconciliation of any non-GAAP financial measures discussed during the call with the most comparable measures in accordance with GAAP when the data is capable of being estimated is included in the company's full year and fourth quarter earnings announcement released earlier this morning or on the Investor Relations section of the company's website at www.primowatercorp.com. I am accompanied by Tom Harrington, Primo's Chief Executive Officer, and Jay Wells, Primo's Chief Financial Officer. As a part of this conference call, we have included a deck online at www.primowatercorp.com that was designed to assist you throughout our discussion. Tom will start today's call by providing a high-level review of the fourth quarter and our progress on Primo strategic initiatives. Then Jay will review our segment level performance and we'll discuss our fourth quarter performance in greater detail and offer our outlook on the first quarter and full year 2022 before handing the call back to Tom to provide a long-term view ahead of Q&A. With that, I will now turn the call over to Tom. Thank you, John, and good morning, everyone. Before I review our performance for Q4, I want to share how proud I am of the efforts of the team and pleased with everyone's continued commitment to safety and customer service as our teams have once again responded to the challenges presented by the pandemic. Our teams remain focused on inspiring healthier lives by providing water your way. Turning to the fourth quarter, We achieved higher revenue driven by strong customer demand, particularly in our water direct and exchange businesses, and implemented several pricing actions. We continue to deliver growth on Mountain Valley, America's premium spring and sparkling water brand. Our water customer base increased organically and our customer retention rates improved. We did experience challenges like most companies where inflationary cost pressures dominated the landscape. To address the higher costs, we implemented a series of pricing actions across our customer base. These pricing actions were insufficient to fully offset higher than forecasted costs for raw materials in our North American single-use plastic bottled water business, ocean freight container rates, and tariffs incurred during the quarter. And as a result, further pricing actions have been implemented in Q1 
which should allow us to offset costs with pricing. Despite the cost headwinds, we continued to invest in a customer experience, which resulted in improved service levels and higher customer retention rates. Our global customer retention rate improved by 60 basis points to 86.4% compared to the prior year, which compares favorably to other subscription-based companies. As Jay will outline later in his remarks, the combination of improved pricing, continued demand for our products and services, and improvement in customer retention gives us confidence in guiding to our full year 2022 adjusted EBITDA of between 410 and $420 million. During the quarter, revenue increased 7% to $518 million and adjusted EBITDA increased 5% to $98 million after normalizing for the 53rd week in 2020. Driven by higher demand for our products and services and improved pricing led by our water direct and exchange businesses. Water direct and exchange grew 7% even as B2B customer volume was softer than forecasted due to a slower B2B recovery, which we attribute to the effect of Omicron variant of COVID later in the quarter. The water dispenser segment declined as a result of higher retail price points and less promotional activity driven by tariffs and the substantial increase in ocean freight experienced during the quarter. We expected to see relief from the tariff in the fourth quarter, as well as a refund. Unfortunately, that did not happen. Despite these headwinds, we sold approximately 900,000 dispensers in 2021 and are optimistic regarding the potential for tariff relief and refund of last year's tariffs at some point in 2022. Ocean freight container rates have begun to stabilize, and we believe these costs will moderate over time, which we expect to support our return to growth in our dispenser business. Our water dispenser sales provide an important entry point for consumers to enter the water category, where we can capitalize on our recurring razor and razor blade revenue model. The attractiveness of recurring purchase behavior is the ability to continually generate water sales as part of our customer for life strategy. As a reminder, our internal research indicates that approximately 60% of respondents surveyed are new to the water category. Of those likely to become a future dispenser customer, research indicates their water purchasing preference as 45% for water direct, 30% for exchange, and 25% prefer water refill. We should continue to capture our fair share of this growth as a razor and razor blade model remains one of our strategic advantages. Turning to operating expenses, overall profitability was adversely affected by higher operating costs during a quarter. As I mentioned earlier, the impact of higher costs outpaced our internal forecast. After averaging roughly a 4% increase in costs over the first three quarters of the year, we saw input costs increase more than 9% in the fourth quarter when compared to the prior year in the U.S. To address the higher costs, we implemented a series of pricing actions across our customer base. These pricing actions were insufficient to fully offset higher than forecasted costs during the quarter, and further pricing actions have been implemented in Q1 which should allow us to offset costs with pricing. As we worked our way through the fourth quarter, we started to see an increase in the number of COVID cases across our operations. Similar to the Delta variant in the third quarter, we saw hundreds of routes affected by Omicron. Fortunately, COVID case rates appear to have peaked and have dropped significantly as we move through Q1. We continue to work diligently to meet the current levels of demand 
especially in our North America water direct and exchange businesses. Despite these challenges, we were able to improve our service metrics as we worked our way through the quarter. The improvement of the customer experience and the push to get close to the full staffing levels were a key focus and a result of conscious investment choices during the quarter. Although these actions cost more in the short term, we believe the long-term benefits of improving the customer experience will outweigh the short-term cost, supported by our continued improvement in customer retention rates. Globally, our water customer base grew 2% to nearly 2.3 million customers in 2021. As I mentioned last quarter, the addressable three and five gallon water category of U.S. residential households alone is estimated to be between 22 to 29 million and continues to grow. The residential opportunity for increased sales of three and five gallon returnable water remains a top priority as the category has two to three times the market potential versus today's installed base and we are focused on increasing household penetration through execution of our razor, razor blade model. As it relates to our efforts in ESG, we remain focused on elevating our position on environmental responsibility and finding new ways to honor our commitment to protect the environment, provide quality drinking water, and manage sustainability. In December, we achieved carbon neutrality across our global operations. Major projects funded as a part of our carbon offset strategy include funding water infrastructure improvements in sub-Saharan Africa, repairing and drilling new boreholes in small rural communities. By providing clean water, communities no longer need to purify water through boiling. This alleviates pressure on local forests the predominant source of firewood, and reduces greenhouse gas emissions. We've also funded water filtration improvements in Guatemala. Waterborne disease has been identified as a national priority in Guatemala, given the high incidence of disease and chronic malnutrition. This project distributes water filters and stoves that enable access to clean water and improve cooking conditions by increasing fuel efficiency and reducing harmful indoor air pollution. It is the first gold standard water treatment or cook stove project in the country. The project so far has benefited over 500,000 people. In December in 2020, we became the first company to certify a spring water source under the Alliance for Water Stewardship Standards and certified three additional spring water sources in 2021. And we will continue to transition more trucks within our fleet away from diesel-powered vehicles to more environmentally friendly propane-powered vehicles. During our Q3 earnings call, and again at our investor day, we discussed the next phase of our transformation as a pure play water company and leader in ESG, and that we've begun the process of exiting the small format, single-use bottled water retail business in North America. Although it is a relatively small part of our overall business, exiting this category will make us a higher margin and more environmentally friendly business. The increasing effect of one-way, single-use plastic bottles in our landfills and waterways have driven us to focus on our more environmentally friendly returnable bottle business. Our three gallon and five gallon bottle provides an attractive alternative to combat this challenge. Adjusting for the exit of the category, we expect revenue growth in 2022 of nine to 10%. In addition, during 2022, we expect to achieve our targeted $40 million to $60 million range of M&A tuck-ins. And as I mentioned earlier, our pure play water model gives us the confidence 
to set our four-year adjusted EBITDA outlook between $410 and $420 million. I'd like to turn the call over to Jay to review a fourth quarter and full-year financial results in greater detail. Thank you, Tom, and good morning, everyone. Starting with our fourth quarter consolidated results, revenue increased 3% to $518 million compared to $505 million. Excluding the impact of foreign exchange and the 53rd week, revenue increased by 6%. The gains were largely driven by growth in our water direct and exchange businesses, partially offset by declines in our water refill and water dispenser businesses. Adjusted EBITDA was flat to last year at $98 million. Excluding the effect of the 53rd week in the prior year, adjusted EBITDA was up 5% in the quarter. As Tom discussed, the effect of higher costs coupled with softer B2B volume drove lower than expected profitability. In the later stages of the quarter, we saw the effects of the Omicron variant which caused B2B volume to come in lower than expected. The higher COVID rates also affected our route drivers and caused us to increase spending to deliver our goods and services to customers. These costs, along with a push to get to full staffing levels, were partially offset by increased pricing taken during the fourth quarter. The major buckets of higher costs include material costs associated with our North America single-use water retail business, ocean freight, and labor. As Tom mentioned, we had forecasted and priced for higher costs. However, these costs came in considerably higher than expected. The additional pricing taken in the fourth quarter and again in the first quarter should allow us to now offset these increased costs. Turning to our segment-level performance for the quarter, North America revenue increased 1% to $387 million compared to $385 million. Excluding the impact of foreign exchange and the 53rd week, revenue increased by 6%, driven by growth in our water direct and exchange businesses, partially offset by lower revenue from our water refill and water dispenser businesses. Adjusted EBITDA in North America increased 4% to $85 million. Excluding the impact of the 53rd week, adjusted EBITDA was up 10% in the quarter. Turning to our rest of the world segment, revenue increased by 9% to $131 million. Excluding the impact of foreign exchange in the 53rd week, revenue increased by 9%. The increase was driven by growth in residential customers, with revenue from residential customers being up 15%. Revenue from B2B customers up 5% for the quarter, as the performance of our water direct B2B customer base remains tied to the relative level of the return to office in each of the countries we serve. We continue to work toward an efficient and low-cost rollout of our products and services for residential customers in Europe to further diversify our customer base and better balance the customer mix. Adjusted EBITDA in the rest of the world segment decreased 9% to $20 million as government-subsidized furlough programs are ending in many European markets, and we're investing in sales and marketing to drive volume and revenue growth. Turning to our liquidity position and balance sheet, we ended the quarter with a cash balance of $128 million and available net borrowing capacity on our cash flow revolver of $80 million for a combined total liquidity position of $208 million. Our net leverage ratio is 3.8 times, and as a reminder, we are now targeting a net leverage ratio of less than 2.5 times by 2024. Looking to the first quarter, based on the information we have available to us as of today, we currently expect consolidated revenue from continuing operations to be between $510 million and $530 million. We also expect that our first quarter adjusted EBITDA will be in the range of $80 million 
to $90 million. For the full year 2022, organic revenue growth is projected to be 7 to 8%, and overall revenue growth is projected to be 9 to 10%, adjusted for the exit of the North America single-use retail water business and including the revenue from the Tuckin acquisitions made during 2021. As Tom mentioned, the exit of the North America single-use retail water business is moving quickly. In 2021, these products accounted for revenue of approximately $142 million. We now expect that 2022 revenue for this product line to be about $40 million, with minimal effect on adjusted EBITDA. We still expect to be out of this category by mid-year. We are forecasting our annual adjusted EBITDA to be between 410 and 420 million dollars. We also expect around 10 million dollars of cash taxes, 60 million dollars of interest, as well as capital expenditures of approximately 200 million dollars. The capital expenditure figures include incremental spending as we discussed during our recent investor day, which is being used to support our growth outlook and EBITDA margin expansion. The multi-year incremental spending will begin in 2022 and will show returns in subsequent years. Key initiatives to be funded from the incremental CapEx include driving digital growth, leading dispenser innovation, building a more environmentally friendly delivery and service suite, installing more efficient water production lines, which will reduce water usage and increase productivity, and driving growth and refill with simple on-the-go units and new filtration innovations like Bebo. Earlier this week, our board of directors authorized a quarterly dividend of $0.07 per common share. This dividend represents a 17% increase over previous quarterly dividends. As discussed during our November Investor Day, our growth outlook and increased free cash flow generation can fund our growth and an increase in our annual dividend. Our path to a multi-year dividend step-up includes an increase in our quarterly dividend per share by one cent in 2022, another in 2023, and another in 2024. Other aspects of capital deployment include continuing our tuck-in M&A during the fourth quarter, we announced the acquisition of Clear Mountain Refreshment Services in Little Rock, Arkansas. Water Event, which operates five locations in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, and the purchase of Sipwell in Belgium. The addition of Sipwell makes Primo the leading provider of sustainable drinking water solutions in Belgium, expanding the Primo footprint and furthering our vision of providing sustainable water solutions whenever, wherever, and however our customers want them. For 2022, we are again targeting 40 to $60 million of tuck-ins and remain focused on executing the robust pipeline of tuck-in opportunities in front of us. Our long-term organic growth outlook has not changed. In terms of our outlook for 2024, we are forecasting high single-digit organic revenue growth targeted annualized adjusted EBITDA approaching $525 million, adjusted EBITDA margins of 21 to 22%, adjusted earnings per share of $1.10 to $1.20 per share, net leverage of less than 2.5 times, and return on invested capital greater than 12%. I will now turn the call back to Tom. Thanks, Jay. Looking ahead, we remain focused on executing our differentiated Water Your Way platform. And we will leverage our Pure Play Water model to drive revenue growth of 9 to 10% in 2022, adjusting for the exit of the North America single-use plastic retail water business, and including the revenue from the tuck-in acquisitions made during 2021. We will continue to enhance the customer experience 
by building out more diverse e-commerce solutions and improving the customer experience through flawless delivery execution. We have two important global initiatives that we believe will make a difference in customer experience and revenue. The new refreshed North American mobile app will be launching in the second quarter with an easier experience for our customers, and most importantly, with new features that provide easy access for support with more channels such as live chat. The second initiative is the launch of a global direct-to-consumer web shop later this year that will accelerate our dispenser sales and introduce an on-demand approach for all things water. By taking a global approach in the launch of these two digital platforms, we see efficiencies in developmental costs, accelerated learning, and further enhancing our Primo branded global platform. We will continue to execute our razor razor blade model with growth in the number of dispensers sold, driving top line growth through the sale of water products. And earlier this month, we announced the launch of a new alkaline water brand, Primo Plus. Primo Plus alkaline water will complement our existing portfolio as alkaline water is a growing trend globally. Primo Plus alkaline water has a pH level of 9.5 at the time of bottling and is an ideal hydration solution sold in three-gallon bottles. It is currently available for water direct customers in limited U.S. geographies and will be expanding to select grocery and retail locations through our water exchange program during 2022. Supporting our growth are more structural and thematic tailwinds that are driving consumers toward healthy hydration solutions. The growth in the health and wellness category to continues to support our prospects of gaining share of the broader beverage category. COVID and its variants continue to elevate the health and wellness conversation and consumers are increasingly conscious of their overall health and well-being. In addition, the perception of the declining quality of municipal tap water is well documented, which supports the growth of our products and services. Tap water as a primary drinking source is expected to continue to decline in all parts of the world for the foreseeable future. As Jay noted, we expect our consolidated first quarter revenue to be between 510 and $530 million, and for our adjusted EBITDA to be between 80 and $90 million. For full year 2022, we're forecasting revenue growth of 9 to 10%, adjusting for the exit of the North America single-use retail water business, and including the revenue from the tuck-in acquisitions made during 2021, and are forecasting our adjusted EBITDA to be between 410 and $420 million. We continue to see the elevated demand in the residential sector as the return to work aspect of the B2B sector has once again been delayed with the emergence of the Omicron variant of COVID. Fortunately, COVID case rates appear to have peaked and have dropped significantly as we move through Q1. We're also maintaining a strong pipeline of M&A targets, which we expect to execute during the remainder of the year. Once again, I'd like to thank the Primo Water Associates across the business for their tireless efforts to serve our customers. With that, I'll turn the call back over to John to move us to Q&A. Thanks, Tom. During the Q&A, to ensure we can hear from as many of you as possible, we would ask for a limit of one question and one follow-up per person. Thank you. Operator, please open the line for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be pulled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. And if you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. 
Your first question comes from Derek Lassard with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning, uh, gentlemen, and hope you're all well. Hey, good morning, Derek. How are you? I'm very good, thanks. Um, you, guys good. Held your, you guys held your investor day um, last November, which, you know, in, in these times feels like a really long time ago now. Um, but if I go back to that, to that period, you sounded really confident, almost excited in the outlook. So I guess my question really is, you know, do you think that these results in any way temper or impact um, that longer 2024 outlook that you have? Yeah, Derek, this is, this is Tom. The, the short answer is no. You know, if you look over the last two quarters, the Delta variant and the Omicron variant have provided us with unexpected short-term headwinds. The company, you know, we decided to continue to invest in service because we think that's in long-term best interest of everyone, our customers, and our stakeholders. So we chose to keep that investment and try and service through these, I'll call them anomalies, I hope. Uh, so, so they have not been our friend. I'm actually more bullish today than I was back in investor day. We still have positive tailwinds. Consumers are gonna look for our brands, they're gonna look for our products, they're gonna look for our services more in the future than they have in the past. So we think that's a, a positive place for the company to be. We continue to grow our market share. We continue to grow profitability. I'm confident in, you know, over the last few years, as you know, Derek, this is the first time I've said 9 to 10% growth. So we've become a growth company, and we're confident in our ability to achieve those numbers. We also continue to make appropriate investments. We're investing in assets to improve efficiency and effectiveness. We're, we continue to invest in CX. We'll continue to make investments in ESG, which we believe matters and will become a, a tailwind for us. And we have the capital structure to continue to accelerate growth and execute against our tokens. So, you know, as I said, I'm more confident about what our outlook is for 24 than I was when we did this in November. You know, Omicron has not been my friend, neither was Delta, uh, but that's now in the rearview mirror, I hope. Okay, and just maybe one follow-up for me, and that's very helpful, thanks. Um, you know, again, as, thanks, as it relates to as, as it relates to everything that you do consider transitory, so Omicron, inflation, and supply chain, just wondering how these uh, pressures have been trending almost now that we're two-thirds uh, the way through uh, through Q1. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll pass it to Jay, but, you know, we're for forecasting assumes status quo. We didn't anticipate Omicron in Q4. It created challenges that we've articulated to us from the labor perspective, servicing our customers. It also had a negative impact on the B2B com commercial volume recovery uh, that, frankly, we didn't anticipate that we'd get another spike. So, Jay, anything to add? Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that Tom didn't mention was within within the forecast and guidance that, that we provided, it was it was the the end of tariffs on our water dispensers that we're importing from China. If you look at last year, we spent about $13 million in tariffs. Now, keep in mind, $8 million was in CapEx. Those are the coolers that, that we buy to lease to our customers. And about $5 million was in COGS. Those are our resale coolers. Within my forecast was getting that refunded. So that's on me. That's part of the miss. I assure you it's not in my current guidance either because, you know, the government has moved slow. We're still optimistic we're going to get it back. So I view that now as upside on my forecast and guidance versus um, the risk I had when I expected it last quarter. So that's once on me, shame on me type forecasting, let's put it that way. And the same with recovery. We were trending really good on recovery from COVID. We thought that trend would continue. Um, and it didn't. It actually reversed a bit in Q4. So those are the two two of the main things that was, you know, assumptions in my forecast that weren't accurate. And again, I'm not going to forecast a significant recovery throughout this year. I'll take it as it comes, but I would view that more as opportunity than risk if it doesn't come. And then the key point on the tariffs, if we get it, terrific, uh, but we're not creating a hurdle for ourselves here. So... Okay. Once was enough.
Okay, thanks for all that. Thanks, Derek. Your next question comes from Nick Modi with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hey, good morning. This is Filippo Falorni, also Nick. How are you guys? Good. Very good. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so first, um, on the cost front, can you remind us um, after the exit of the North America um, single-use business, uh, how much of your cost is in commodities and what are the biggest commodity exposure for your business? Um, and then more broadly in terms of cost inflation, I guess, what are you assuming for 2022 in terms of EOV or cost inflation? Yeah, I'll take a piece of that, and then I'll, this is Tom, and then give it to Jay. On our retail bottled water business, the commodity issue was resin for the high-density polyethylene bottles. Also impacted us on corrugated, the box, shrink wrap. So you name it, all of the components of that business, which I'm happily on schedule to exit in the next two months, were negatively impacted by cost inflation. Jan, if you have some numbers to... Yeah, no, I mean, that. you really look at year over year, the you know, main cost buckets that we said were up 9% versus a trend of 4 to 5%. Um, I'd say almost half the bucket were the first items that Tom mentioned. It was, it was material costs for, thankfully, um, the single-use plastic retail business that we're exiting. So, so that's one of the many reasons we are getting out of that business. I would say when you look at the other, other half, it was really two tranches. It, it was ocean freight and tariffs. Um, and then it was labor. I mean, we are going to see having to give our, our folks, you know, higher, higher raises. Also, please keep in mind our RSRs, especially in North America, are predominantly commission-based. So as we take price, we are going to pay more in commission. So part of it, you know, we get the majority of it, be sure, but, you know, we will see labor. So I would say, um, assuming we are, and we will be by mid-year, fully out of the retail business discussed, that will take the main material cost type inflation. Um, Tom and I already talked uh, you know, tariffs. We are seeing ocean freight start to moderate and improve a bit as we go into this year. So, you know, that's the other cost I, I look at. And then the last is really labor. We're, you know, we're, 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 we're a delivery company. We have our RSRs delivering, providing our customers good service, and we want to make sure we provide our customers the best service we can. So retaining and developing those associates is, is key as part of our associate experience that we focus on. And while we anticipated inflation rolling into Q4, we didn't anticipate it, it frankly, would be 2x. And we had taken uh, pricing across the customer base based on what we saw when we were in Q3 and executed that at you know, the end of August. We've taken another action that has been implemented during January based on the realities of what we saw in Q4. So, you know, we, yeah. we got the 2X and then we've taken a ja uh, the action to address it on go forward. Got it. That makes sense. That's very helpful. And then I guess pricing, you commented a bit on, uh, you know, taking another action. Like, would you would you feel like you're in a good position now? Would you consider incremental actions if uh, the commodity or yeah. the cost environment were to stay elevated? Yeah. So w we think we're we've covered as we sit here today. As you can imagine, we're like many other companies. We're watching costs like a hawk. And if we're required to act, we will. Uh, the good news is our customer retention rates continue to improve, which is partially because of our decision to not cut those costs and focus on the customer experience, which is ultimately the key driver of our success, our 9 to 10% growth, and the, our ability and confidence in the multi-year 2024 outlook. Great. That's very helpful, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Daniel Moore with CJS Securities. Please go ahead. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Jay. Um, hey, Dan, well, maybe focus. You? I'm good. I'm good. Um, maybe focus on the, the go forward of the uh, great caller, by the way, uh, in terms of uh, the impact 
um, of the tariffs. That, that helps clarify things quite a bit. Um, in terms of the, the growth expectation, 8 to 9% organic, um, how much of that is volume and how much of that is price, uh, roughly, given the, all, all the price you've, you've had to and, and been able to take? Yeah, just uh, a point of clarity, and then I'll, I'll toss it over to Jay. Our organic, I believe, it's 7 to 8. Mm-hmm. And then if yes, you my factor... Apologies. Yes, my mm-hmm. Yeah, no worries, just so we're clear. The 9 to 10 has the exit of that... Overall, yes. Yeah, retail jazz, and then uh, the benefits of some tuck-in. So yep. just, just to be clear. Uh, so, Jay, some color? No, I, I mean, we, you know, we've talked about it before, and, and Tom mentioned it on the call that, you know, our water customer base is up 2%. But, you know, that is driving the growth, and a key focus is continue on the customer experience, improved ads, reduced our, our quit rate. So, you know, customers are, are generating a very good part of that. I would say when you look on the, the volume side on top of that, I think you heard a little bit of a tone. I think we've moved a little bit on a conservative side on the B2B side to more run current trends, but we're continuing to sit within our forecast to be very bullish on the residential side. So the residential side should continue to drive about another one plus percent on volume. And then, you know, commercial will give, give us an upside if we don't have another variant of COVID. Um, and then pricing would be the remainder of it, Dan. The, the other piece I'd add is you know, last year, 21, we sold, you know, approximately 900,000 dispensers. They create what we call water-only customers, which is a terrific customer, largely residential. As the ocean freights have begun to, I won't say normalize, but ease, and hopefully we, we have a resolution on the tariffs, we expect to accelerate that dispenser business, which will give us growth in that customer base, you know, that buys three and five gallon containers from us. So, you know, that's part of the growth story. People love our brands and we're just finding different ways to give them water their way. Helpful and, and clearly, um, you know, impressive customer retention in the face of, of that, uh, those, you know, multiple price increases. Um, the, the growth in terms of Euro, rest of the world versus North America, you, you just gave us some inkling, but um, you expect to continue to, to drive retail penetration in rest of the world, and you know, what, what are the kind of relative growth rates embedded in, in the guide? Thanks again. Yeah, I, I think that we were quite pleased in 2021 with our residential performance in the rest of the world. It is, unfortunately, as, you know, if Delta and Omicron are spiked in North America, there were more than two spikes depending on the country you're in in Europe. Uh, but, but we think that, you know, the markets are accelerating their return, if you will, and easing mass guidance offset by whatever happens in uh, the Ukraine, right? So we think we're in a good spot. We're confident about our ability to grow the residential business. We're, we will develop the solution that we call Simple On The Go, which we think is a real solution to grow our revenue and volume in the continent. And we'll go there first, you know, later in 2022. Yeah, I'm very excited on the quarter. I mean, 5% residential growth, or 15% residential growth, 5% B2B growth. I mean, that that is great that, you know, as we've talked before, Europe has been a flattish to declining business. So through all of the efforts we're making, we've turned the top line of growth. Now, we did have some bottom line pressures, and we will as we left the furlough programs, as we get the employees back in. And then and only then can you right-size the organization, because you cannot right-size organizations while individuals are on furlough programs. So be assured that we'll, we'll adjust our cost base to, you know, to the right level. But the exciting part is that type of top-line growth out of Europe is something, you know, we did not see when we diligenced Eden many years ago, and we haven't seen since we bought them. So I think uh, Europe's in a very good space going forward. It's become a tailwind. Yes. <laughs> All right. And the tariffs, if you did get them back, would be a 13, up to a $13 million potential benefit? Or is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, yeah remember, eight, 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 eight million was capex. So if we get that back, that's not that's not an EBITDA benefit. But five million did go through COGS um, as a cost of goods sold at the dispensers that we sell in retail. That would be a benefit um, flowing through. Very helpful. Thank you. 
Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Your next question comes from John Zamparo with CIBC. Please go ahead. Morning, John. Good morning, guys. Hello, John. Good morning. Um, morning. I wanted to uh, follow up on revenue in the quarter and uh, appreciate the commentary so far. You mentioned some headwinds from, from Omicron, of course, but can you add some color, particularly on, on the refill and filtration segment and the other segment? seems like you saw some softness in those. I wonder if that was impacted by, by Omicron or, or the furlough programs you're talking about. I know there was a customer loss on the refill side, but any commentary you can add on those two segments would be helpful. Yeah, I, I think on refill, there's, there's a couple of things that have uh, were a headwind in the quarter, and there is a direct correlation to Omicron and or the Delta variant, frankly, at the end of Q3, and it has to get to retail store traffic, right? So if foot traffic is down in retail, then the number of customers that pass our outdoor refill machine will be lower, and the number of customers that go through the aisle for the indoor machine is lower, so naturally we're going to be negatively impacted from a revenue perspective. Uh, so we're we're cautiously optimistic, but we're not baking in any. You know, we're we're taking the appropriate approach that says we're going to take steady state in terms of those businesses, as opposed to you know expecting that it gets better because, which was a bit of our problem in Q4, thinking that you know. Delta was good, things look great, and then Omicron hit us again. And then filtration was also going to be related to Omicron, if you think about traffic and how many commercial opportunities don't exist today, partially because of work from home. So as that business segment is still uh, either in decline or not yet stable because of the variant, our ability to attract new customers is negatively impacted short term, which has a direct impact on the top line. Yep, and on, on, on I think you mentioned other water also, John. You're gonna you're gonna see that declining in North America. That's the exit of our single use plastic water business. So so that is what that decline that you see in the other water. And that declined faster than we anticipated and post our announcement, which gets us out of the business. Right. You know, so it was, yeah, I mean, that business, as I mentioned, was $142 million last year. It's going to be 40 this year, about $20 million each quarter. Um, you know, on, on revenue, since we're on it, it's, we, we posted a supplemental deck on our website. And if you look at slide 23, that'll give you a good view of our quarterly revenue last year. Then it minuses out the revenue associated with this single-use plastic water business that we're, that we're exiting. Um, and then it's really 9 to 10% growth on that number each quarter. And then I'd add another $20 million in Q1 and a $20 million in Q2 to, to add back the little bit of revenue we will still have in that channel for the front half of this year. So that, that's how we look at it, but it really is it's the exit of the retail business we've discussed. Okay, that's uh, that's very helpful. Thank you for that. And then my my follow up is on the capex guidance of 200 million. Um, just thinking about the the investor day, or, or maybe it was Q3, but I think you'd said 7% of sales is the rough guide, and then 50 million of additional projects to be spread over uh, over the next three years. Um, if you do that math, you get a bit below the 200. So I'm wondering, have you front loaded some of those projects? Does the 200 now reflect paying the tariffs or the capex portion of it? Uh, any other color there you can add would be helpful. I'll give you kind of the way I think about the phasing is that we will make investments in 2022, both on efficiency projects as well as growth projects, but we won't see that benefit until later on in, you know, as you think about, frankly, 23 and 24. So you have to, you know, execute those projects and do work in plants and build a simple machine that works globally. Uh, so we'll make those investments this year. We'll see future benefit in 23 and 24. And the CapEx, Jay, I'll, I'll flip to you on. I, I think I think the, the difference you're trying to work to is probably the tariffs that I referred to. And if it goes away, I'll probably, we would get closer to the number you're referring, not the refund, but just the pure in in your CapEx on dispensers. That's probably the difference. That that's above and beyond the seven percent of revenue. 
but when that go away, we'll, we'll get back to the, about the 7%. So I would say that the tariffs on the dispensers that we rent to our customers, that CapEx is really probably the difference that you're looking for. Okay, understood. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, if you do have a question, please press star 1. Your next question comes from Derek DeLay with Canaccord. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Good morning, morning, Derek. Hello, Derek. So just on the uh, on the price increase that you expect, <clears throat> Jay, did I hear you correct? It's going to be about um, 5 to 6% for 2022? I think you're I think you're roughly correct. If you think and you look at inflationary numbers right now, um, and you ignore what happened in Q4, that that's you know that that's not far off of inflation, and that's what we're pricing to cover the cost increase plus a little bit more. So so you've got it about right, Derek. Okay, and and how does that compare to the price increase that you took in Q4? Well, it's it's kind of more of a combined that I'm doing the rollover benefit on the full year and what we've taken. And just point of information, we we have taken it. It's gone through. It's gone to our customers, so it's in place. We pocketed that. And keep in mind, we're still going to do our regular pricing on top of that too. This this was more just acceleration of certain others. So you know, it's a combination of rollover benefit, the pricing that we took right at the end of January, beginning of February, and then our normal pricing that we take you know, throughout the year, it gets you to that number, Derek. Okay. No, got it. That's helpful. Um, and then maybe, Tom, just your comment on on freight, um, can you like, can you quantify that a, a little bit for us? I get it's, you know, it's still elevated, but normalizing, but how does that compare to what you've seen over the last two quarters? Yeah, so I'll give you a couple of numbers, you know, to, to put it in context. I paid as high as $25,000 a container, and pre all of this, it would be something closer to $5,000 if you went back to, you know, before the spike. So that's the order of magnitude of the change. And we paid, you know, down under $20,000 or less now, right? So it's beginning to work its way closer to $15,000 than $25,000. Uh, we haven't built all that benefit in because we need it to be more than, you know, 10 containers of trend, right? So Jay said it before, you can accuse me of being conservative. I'm just being thoughtful about, I don't want to make a tariff mistake again, and I'm complicit with Jay on that. So we want to make sure that it's trendable and bankable, right? Uh, so that, that's really how I think about it. Now, you may also ask, it's still, if you're in Long Beach, I think the last numbers I looked at was 80 days. Uh, but we've built that into our demand plan, so we think we have the appropriate flow of assets. So it doesn't impact our ability to acquire customers, but, you know, the pricing offsets it, and we've baked in that, that 80 days into that demand planning model, which, you know, frankly, last year was a catch-up, Right. You went from whatever it was, less than 30 to 80, practically overnight. So all that's now we kind of modeled into into our go forward operating plan. Okay, that's great. And then just uh, can you just maybe talk about the 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 business that's coming through um, your your website and, and your e-commerce business? Um, you know, how has that been growing over the last year? And you know, it, it, can you provide like what percentage of revenue it represents? I can do some of that. Uh, let, let's go with Europe, right? So you remember we stood up websites if you go back in May of 2020. We now have websites up in all markets in the rest of the world, and it led to something on the order of 25,000-plus net new customers on the residential side in Europe, right? which was a positive tailwind for us as we dealt with the high percentage of our customer base in Europe that was commercial business. So that has worked quite nicely. Uh, our residential mix is higher in North America. We are generating more customers from digital. We're rolling out a new app in North America early Q2, which we will also will we expect to help us drive customers. And we are building in process of global, call it e-commerce web shops, Derek, that will enable us to accelerate dispenser sales through this 
dispenser and water sales uh, through this platform, you know, as we go forward. We haven't stood them up everywhere. We're still in the learning stages, but we are selling dispensers, and we actually sell water on those sites. Uh, so we think it'll be a, a good component of that ultimately 9 to 10% nine growth model. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Derek. Your next question comes from Andrea Teixeira with J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Thank you. Um, I wanted to just follow up on the organic growth guidance um, and on the commentary about the 1% volume guide for residential embedded in the total uh, top-line growth. And I'm a bit surprised. Maybe I'm understanding it the wrong way. Uh, you had it um, 900,000 new dispensers sold last year. I'm not sure if it's more exchange related and and not and and within the razor razor blade model uh that those jugs that go into there uh that will be uh they will be accounted for uh in these residential customers and so in other words are you being just conservative because of the tough comparisons for residential or you're assuming that reopening um the real the commentary about commercial customers uh, that you're being more conservative on those um, and or the frequency of purchases. And related to that, uh, what we saw in the fourth quarter as we entered the first quarter, um, did the Omicron impact subside um, during the, uh, the beginning of the year? Uh, was there any major customer that you lost during these logistics issues? And, and perhaps, you know, comment also on the churn rate uh, after you took pricing. Okay, Andrea, good morning. I'm going to. I, I may take these backwards, right? So, mm -hmm. customer churn in, in uh, our retention in Q4 was 60 basis points better, 86.4%. And our uh, 2021 pricing was initiated, implemented, let's call it September 1. So, that number did not spike. You know, it's part of our investment you know, with the route associates in terms of servicing the customer investments in our call center to make sure that we gave continued service despite the Delta and Omicron variants. Uh, so that's a pretty good indicator for us that we're getting the price we need and we see it flow through and we haven't chased off customers. We're not seeing any material change early in Q1. In terms of where we are with the Omicron, it's uh, like other things I've read, is the number of cases has dropped off markedly. Uh, but, you know, in, in October, in, at the end, end of the quarter, we had some discussions. I was comp really probably too bullish about how that turned out, and Delta became Omicron. So, yes, I would be conservative about that. We're, we're expecting steady state, no me meaningful positive from that. Uh, benefit of, let's hope, another variant. On the dispensers, the way to think about it is we get customer acquisitions in Water Direct from people who rent coolers from us. You can relate that to Jay's comments about the $8 million in CapEx. And then we separately sell 900,000 coolers through a number of large retailers and through e-commerce. And in our script, we talk about roughly 45% of the customers who buy, roughly 60% of the customers who buy dispensers new to the category, I think it's the number, we can validate that. And 45% of them prefer water direct, 25% prefer exchange, and 30% prefer refill. And then we get our fair share of that right, in terms of our market share. So we would expect those water dispenser purchases to come into our family of products, brands and products, either in direct, in exchange, or in refill. And that would be, that was really around the water only that I talked about, and that's how we categorize them, and they would be part of our growth story, largely residential. I think and I got you got it. I, I think I got all three, Andrea, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Hopefully no, helps. this is super helpful. Yeah, no, absolutely. But just on um, double clicking on that, the one percent that you're assuming for residential in 2022, how did that number compares? How much did you grow uh, in volume 
for residential uh, consumers in 2021 and, and in 2020. If you can give us that, you know, kind of progression of household penetration and growth yeah, uh, in residential. I, 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 don't, I don't have that number at hand, my apologies, but let me, let me um, you know, just give you kind of repeat what I said earlier. It might have been missed a little bit. So, we, you know, we mentioned that our, our customer base within water is up 2%. So we're bringing that tailwind in. Uh, you know, Tom's talked about our retention rates improving, our focus on the customer experience, bringing that. So, you know, that, that will give us that organic growth. Then what we see in volume growth is another one plus, maybe getting up to 2%, and that's really being led by, by residential. And that, that's pretty typical, pretty standard. Let's, let's ignore the, the unusual fluctuations during a pandemic, but that's normal. What we're not factoring in is much more recovery on the commercial side, not to say that it's not going to be there, but I'm just not going to include in my forecast because I'm not going to forecast COVID recovery anymore. And then the remaining is really the price increases that we're taking. That's perfect. Thank you so much for reiterating that. Appreciate it. Pass it on. Thank you. Your next question comes from Graham Price with Raymond James. Please go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Uh, good, good morning. Thanks for uh, morning. for feeding me. Um, you 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 previously gave the uh, the color around uh, the revenue outlook for the single use divestiture asset. Um, just wanted to double check that forty million. Uh, does that assume uh, that the asset would be divested maybe sometime next quarter? And then was also wondering on. Uh, the the impact of that divestiture on on margins and, and profitability in your 2022 outlook. Yeah, so it's our expectation that we will be completely out of this business by the end of Q2. And then Jay's referenced the numbers that it was 142 million in prior year. We expect roughly 40 million this year. Uh, which is an update to Investor Day because we've exited. It, it's begun to exit a little bit quicker than we originally expected. And then on the margin, Jay, we yeah. can give some insight earlier. And, no, no, and, and again, I did add a, specifically for these types of questions. I did add a slide to our supplemental deck. It's in the appendix, slide 23, and it does show our revenue by quarter last year, minusing out the benefit of this specific. So you can see, you know, it runs, you know, about somewhere in the 30s every quarter to get to the 142. Then how I'm modeling it in my projection, what we've got left, kind of feeling like we have, kind of like what I'm doing with the depreciation on these assets. If you see a little spike in depreciation, I'm kind of like just straight lining the 40 million out until the end of Q2. So 20 million this current quarter, 20 million next on top of the growth we'd get off of the net numbers shown on slide 23. Does that make sense? That that does that does. Thank, thank you for that. And and then um, just a quick housekeeping follow-up. Saw saw a spike in DNA expense for 4Q. Um, yep. And, and I, just I, one... I just tried to I, yep. I just tried to answer that question as part <laughs> of the firings because I knew you had, probably would have that question too. So yeah, what you're really seeing, you know, once we decided to get out of the business by. Um, the end of, of Q2, every asset within this business under the GAAP accounting rules, you, you accelerate the depreciation and you, and you depreciate nor anything, amortize it over the remaining term. So you're, you're seeing the, the accelerated DNA associated with the, the business that we're exiting. Okay, sure. Un understood. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. This concludes Primo's fourth quarter results call. Thank you all for attending. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.